Welcome to 30 Minutes of Growth, the all-action, all-growth marketing podcast that's all within half an hour. It features three segments with three playbooks you can use right away. And I'm your host, Alex Garcia. So let's do this. So one, thank you so much for being here. Today we have Amanda Natividad. So we are going to start, we're going to dive right into it. The first topic that I want to cover is something that you tweeted about recently, then you wrote an article about permissionless marketing. So that's the first topic. So one, I kind of want you to define permissionless marketing if you can. So it's permissionless co-marketing. It is basically the act of aligning yourself with other brands, ideally brands that you share some kind of audience or some kind of shared philosophy with. And it's kind of the inverse of earned media where instead of asking for links, you're basically giving them or you're, you're mm. giving the shout out. There aren't always links involved. So this might be in a podcast appearance, might be in a blog post or whatever it might be. And I think it's just a really nice way. Well, one, it's, it's a nice thing to do, right? It's nice to give some love to other people who are doing things well. But there's also the side benefit of it could open up doors for future collaborations. When I spoke to you, I want to say a few months ago, before I saw you write about this topic. And I was talking to you about how you grew your newsletter initially, how you got your first thousand subscribers. I think you were actually talking about permissionless co-marketing when you said that you did like a writing, like a writing webinar with Julian. And then on the back end of that, it helped you surge and grow your newsletter. Is that along those lines? Yeah, it totally is. And I mean, like, you know, that the first 1000 subscribers of your newsletter, it's, it's the toughest, right? You're, you're calling up your friends and family, you're asking your mom to subscribe, but then you're getting the ball rolling, right? And then hopefully those results compound over time. And so the webinar that I did with Julian Shapiro, it was a, a writing webinar, just sort of his like, mini masterclass in, in writing. And then with that, you know, we sort of plugged some of our newsletters or what we were doing. And that got me a nice surge in subscribers. I think from there, you know, from, from all the efforts of other content creation, maybe get posting a high engagement tweet or thread and adding my newsletter call out, the results have been faster over time. So that first 1000 was kind of a slog, right? It took months to get there, but then the second thousand happened in several weeks or a couple months. Can you break them down? Like if you are trying to elevate your brand, then how do you use permissionless co-marketing to then actually elevate it? There are three, usually about three end goals. One, it might be to elevate your brand. Two, it might be to demonstrate the value of your product. Or three, it might be to define yourself as a category creator. So those are three kind of discrete examples there. So let's say you are trying to elevate your brand, right? This is probably the most common goal that we all have. The strategy then, I think, is to amplify others to build some of those initial relationships. So this kind of dovetails really nicely with, with the writing webinar that I did with Julian. So we're amplifying each other, building relationships. And then some of the tactics there might be linking to relevant or non-competing brands, you know, in your blog posts, could be co co-hosting webinars together um, and things like that. Another example I want to break out is demonstrating the value of your product. So a good strategy there is using familiar brands. So brands that people already know and love using them in examples. I mean, one obvious example, right? If you wanted a good example of good copywriting, you could turn to, you could shout out Apple or Nike. Those are obvious ones. But maybe I would say that those, they're so famous, they're such legacy players. 
they're not going to notice, right? So the thing I like to do is mention well-known brands who might not be mainstream yet. So one of my favorite examples of copywriting is actually, I guess it's a CBD sparkling water recess. I really like their copywriting style, like their tone of voice and all that stuff. So they even do like all lowercase emails and I, I just really like it. It's very distinct to them. It's unique. Their copy is friendly, kind of quirky. It just feels like a person writing it. So that's something I would mention as like a co- permissionless co-marketing thing. And hopefully someone there will, will listen to this and they'll be like, oh, cool. What a nice shout out. <laughs> their design too on their site is flawless. It's so beautiful. beautiful. It really is. And so if you're defining yourself as a category creator, what's the strategy there? So the strategy there is aligning yourself with familiar names because this kind of helps you anchor yourself within the context of your industry. So this is really helpful for us at SparkToro. So SparkToro is the, you know, the audience research startup that I work at. And we, I think, are well-known in certain niches of marketing, but we're also not mainstream. And we're creating a new category of audience research, doing research on your audience, kind of different from market research. So this is new, right? This is new to a lot of people. And so the brand or category in which I would anchor ourselves to is similar web. A lot of people know similar web. Yeah. They have a great Chrome extension. They have great services. They, they tell you the website ranking of any website. People know what that is. So I would anchor ourselves to that in the sense that they offer a great tool, but it's also a tool that we can work really well with. So like if you were doing some competitor research, you could look up your competitor's website on similar web. Then you would see a couple of other examples of similar websites or websites that those visitors also go to. And then you can plug in those websites into SparkToro and learn about those audiences. So plays really nicely together and mentioning them also gives listeners or readers a sense of how these tools interact, how you can use them, making it super actionable and hopefully stickier over time. I think the one that's probably that would help most people, right? is like, oh, two of them to demonstrate the value of your product and then using familiar brands and examples. So I'm going to give an example and you tell me if I'm thinking of this right. But if I'm SparkToro, one way I could do this is you could almost take familiar brands that haven't gone mainstream yet and then do almost the research for them and write an article on like, these are the opportunities for these different 10 brands to create content around. Is that how you you would approach this? That's such a good idea. Yeah. It's also doing some intel for them, right? It's doing, doing them some kind of favor, giving them insights that maybe they didn't already know. I love that idea. The other one I like it too is like, yeah, elevating your brand by amplifying others to build relationships. The second topic I want to go in is, is it, I think it's a case study you guys actually have with that you guys do with Ross, Ross Simmons from Foundation. Foundation, they're a content marketing agency. They had a client. It was like internet infrastructure. Yes. And so on behalf of them, they dropped 50K on, on partnerships with niche podcast newsletters and smaller accounts. So instead of basically doing... Facebook ads, Google ads, they were like, we're going to find different niche podcast newsletters that have the exact audience that match their client and sponsor them, essentially, right? Like that, yeah. that was the approach. So what was the research process to find those niche podcasts, find those niche newsletters? So you could do this in a couple of ways. So, you know, at SparkToro, we help marketers or founders, whoever uses our tool, we help people find their audience's sources of influence. So this could be influential podcasts, could be influential social accounts, websites, blah, blah, blah. 
And so what I would do here and the way this worked was Ross Simmons and his team at Foundation, they were working with a client in the internet infrastructure space. So I believe a lot of the people in their target audience were like software engineers, web developers, maybe even people in IT. So those are a couple of job titles, essentially, that people would probably self-identify as, right? Like somebody might have in their public LinkedIn or Twitter profile, I'm a software engineer. Sure. So you could run a search in Sparktoro for that. So my audience uses these words in their profile, software engineer. And then from there, you know, assuming it's a common title, which that title is, then you'll see a bunch of results. You'll see like the common words or phrases that software engineers use online, like when they're talking publicly. Uh, You'll also see a lot of the podcasts they listen to, the YouTube channels they subscribe to, press they frequent, websites they frequent. So gives you a really nice holistic view of the things that people are actually doing online. And it's all done in a non-creepy way, right? So it's all done on the aggregate level. So people who are software engineers, maybe like 5% of them go to this certain website or listen to whatever podcast. So this is how you can find a lot of these opportunities. Like you can do this search, look at the podcast tab in Sparktoro, and you could even export this list. And it's probably going to be a list of like 100 podcasts. And then from there, you can, you know, maybe bake into a pitch to pitch yourself to join. Like maybe it'll be, you could reach out to the podcast host and say like, hey, you know, I, I ran a Sparktoro search of your podcast and I saw that a lot of people in your target audience are talking about mental health and like cybersecurity and like stuff like this, right? And it could be like, I'd love to come on your show and talk about how you help to manage your mental health in the digital age. Like something like that where like you can use that data to actually bake into the pitch and be able to show like, this is what people in your audience are already looking for or talking about, so let's do it. So that'd be one opportunity. As for the newsletters, the way that Ross and his team went about it was they looked for hidden gem social accounts. So hidden gem is actually a feature in SparkToro. You can filter for hidden gems. And hidden gems would be like high engagement social accounts that probably are not mainstream yet. So it might be social accounts who have like 20,000 followers, which is obviously, it's a lot, right? But it also might not be someone who's like super, super famous. So you can search for these people and then from there, build that kind of list and then look at their content, right? Look at their Twitter profiles, look at their LinkedIn, and then see if they have a newsletter. And if you can find someone who has 10,000 Twitter followers or like maybe they have an email list of like 5,000 people or 10,000 people, that's probably going to have a really high open rate. And then if you pay on a CPM basis or something, you can probably secure these sponsorships at a really high affinity. It costs you less money, you as an advertiser, and you can build stronger affinity with that particular audience. So I wrote something down as like to take Ahrefs, for example. And the reason I say that is, I don't know if you saw that they tweeted, this was probably right before 2022. They said that they're putting all of their paid media budget into sponsoring different creators. They were taking all of it and they were just going to sponsor newsletters, podcasts. So if you're them, how are you going about this to maximize every dollar that they spend using SparkTour to find, I guess, the hidden gems, to find the newsletters, the podcasts? If you were in their shoes, how would you approach it? So one, I think that they actually are SparkToro customers. I don't know. Oh, perfect. So this, yeah. this works. So yeah, if I were them, I would do these same things with finding podcasts and newsletters. I would also look at YouTube channels because- mm. 
I mean, we know YouTube advertising is expensive, right? But it's super effective. So yeah. I would look at some of these like niche or smaller opportunities to potentially sponsor some YouTube channels, which you can do in SparkToro. I would also look into doing some media pitches with the SparkToro data. So like finding some influential press using the whole like, hey, you know, I analyzed your audience. People are talking about these phrases. They're using these hashtags. I think I was even talking to some of the folks at, well, I was talking to some of the folks at Morning Brew not too long ago. And I did a search for their audience and saw there were a lot of people talking about like, well, people who visit Morning Brew's website were talking a lot about using the hashtag NFTs, Web3. So I asked them like, hey, just as a kind of like, just to kind of validate what I'm seeing, have you been seeing that there are a lot of people looking for Web3 related content on your website? And sure enough, one of their top viewed articles of last year was something about NFTs. So I would be pitching stuff like that to publications like, hey, I did the data for you. And like I found mm. people, people are looking for this thing. So we do that to get media pitches. And then I would also use it to do some pitches to do guest posts. So one, I would, you know, identify which websites those might be. And then I would reach out and well, I would check to see if they actually do accept guest posts. And then yeah. I would pitch it to them. Like I would say like, hey, like people are talking about this topic, would love to write about it for you. Or would even just create an outline based on the data in SparkToro and say like, I ran a search for your website. I know that like 60% of your audience works in social media marketing. And they also talk about SEO and social media. In the text insights, I see people are talking about content marketing. I have a point of view on the way content should be done. Here's my outline. I would love to write it for you. So I would do a nice mix of sponsorships for hidden gems in like podcasts, newsletters, YouTube channels, would um, do some really tailored media pitching, and then would do some guest post pitching. I like the idea of guest post pitching because I mean, right. So I launched my site, we rebranded it and I transferred my domain because at first it was markingexamine.co. Now it's markingexamine.com. And so I have to build up my domain rating just like from zero. I have to basically start over. Can you walk me through like the, the 30 second, one minute way of how I would do this to find good brands to write uh, guest articles for? I would do a search for my audience frequently visits the website, ahrefs.com. And then great. I see there are over 33,000 people who visit ahrefs. And then from there, I would see the top words used in bios include web, marketer, agency, consultant, founder. Okay. Some of their top hashtags are digital marketing, content marketing, e-commerce. Some frequently used phrases are organic traffic, link building. Okay. And then from there, I know a lot of their top roles and fields are in marketing, ops. Most mentioned skills are social media marketing, social media, SEO, digital marketing. Okay. So this gives me a pretty good picture of who some of these people are and what they hope to achieve. Let's also look at some of the other things they do. They Other social accounts they follow are Tim Solo. Uh, they also follow Moz, SEMrush. Okay, these are all pretty predictable stuff. I would consider like, since you also just changed your website to marketingexamine.com, I think you would have a really interesting point of view in how you did that. And like what your plan is to ensure that you increase your domain authority and, you know, just increase the health of your website. So maybe I would do a pitch on like, hey, like I'm Alex Garcia. I have like 100,000 Twitter followers. I would love to do a post for you because I just rebranded my site 
I'm now doing a .com. I used Ahrefs for these reasons, right? Like I did the keyword research strategy, check the health of my site through Ahrefs. I've been using you for a long time. I'd love to do a case study with you. Here's how I did this. Here's how I redirected my URLs or you know whatever that is. Yeah. And here are the results that I'm seeing as a result of using your product. Uh, would love to collaborate some time. So one, I would offer to write the case study. But the other thing I would do is I would offer to do some YouTube content, right? Because they have an epic YouTube channel. They do. And if I were you and if I were thinking about growing my YouTube presence, I would be like, hey, I would love to join your show. Here are things I would talk about. Here are some receipts I can show you or like here are some results I can show you that would be good visuals for your YouTube show. So I would be thinking about like, what are some of the ways that they create content? How can you be part of that? And how can you support it and help amplify it? And then the last part too is just you and your following as a huge value add to them. And I would say to anyone listening, right? Like you don't have to have a huge following to be able to add value because, you know, especially for a brand like Ahrefs, they already have a great audience, right? So what they can, what they would probably benefit from is the proof that you are effectively using their product. Like any brand wants that. So they sponsored it, one of my newsletters not long ago. And the actual thing was I, I pitched them on an idea very similar. I was like, in 2022, like one of my biggest focuses is SEO. So I'm going to talk about how I'm using Ahrefs to focus on SEO, hone it in and use it as one of my like biggest growth levers. And that was like the whole, it was step-by-step step what I'm doing. So literally what yeah. you're, you're parlaying is what it, I did. And it, it worked for them because they, it, one, it drove leads, et cetera. But I, I really awesome. like the YouTube idea as well. So yeah, um, that was great. And I also want to add to that, like you wrote this post in your newsletter like a couple months ago. I still remember it because it was such a good post. It was, Thank you. It, you very clearly outlined how you use Ahrefs, what your SEO goals were, super clear to understand, super clear how readers can benefit from it. Like that's exactly the kind of stuff that Ahrefs wants or any sponsor would want. The last topic I want to go into is the influence map. One, can you break down what an influence map is and then how is it different than a customer journey map? I think that this is how more marketers should be thinking about the ways that their audience progresses through the funnel, which is not a top-down scenario, right? People don't yeah. just progress from like awareness to conversion like in a neat way. Yeah. So an influence map, really comes from behavioral design. And so it captures hypotheses, it captures experiments, conclusions, things that are core to every marketing strategy. You can look at it as there's a problem discovery, there's brand awareness, further education, and then ends with solution seeking. But it doesn't always happen in the one, two, three, four step. But you can look at it that way. So it's basically a visual framework of how audiences interact with the problem your business solves and what influences their behavior. You could think about it like problem discovery. This is where, when, and how your potential customers learn that they might have a need for what you do. So using the SparkToro example, people might not be aware that they have an audience research need, right? They They might not know that they need that. So what you could do there is like create content that educates people about this problem. From there, you can think about brand awareness, where, when, and how your potential customers are first exposed to the products or services in the space. So where is this? This would be like on Google, 
Twitter. They might see this on billboards, radio, YouTube. So the things that people are already doing and consuming, those are opportunities for you as a brand to become well-known. That's where maybe sponsorships would come into play. Next, we have further education. So this is what potential customers pay attention to as they deepen their knowledge of your sector. So this is kind of where like an email newsletter would come in, right? Like you don't really build brand awareness with a newsletter. It's more of like after someone's aware of you, then they subscribe to your newsletter to learn more, right? So there's that. There are also other good sources of this are public communities like Reddit, Discord, maybe these like semi-private Slack channel or Slack workspaces. Those are all places where there are examples of further education. And then finally, last piece we have here is solution seeking. This is where and how your potential customers make their purchase decision. So this might be on like a review website. This could be on like a wire cutter, for instance, right? There are a lot of reviews there. This could be webinars where people are actually like actively paying attention for an hour to get the solution to their problem. These are all opportunities where marketers can position themselves and their content and what they're doing at all different stages of the buyer journey where it isn't just this like top of funnel and then yeah. middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, that's that. <laughs> it's just not as straightforward as, as yeah. like looking at a funnel and being like, okay, they're going to start here and they're going to for sure end here, right? Like it's, totally. you're looking at with the influence map, where in this stage is behavior changed? And then yeah. now, now behavior, we're at this level of the framework and now how do we influence behavior again where we get them closer to obviously solution seeking. You actually kind of started doing it and because my la- my last question was going to be like, can you walk me through how you would set or not set it up, but use this framework for SparkToro? Because I, I think that's going to be the best example for it to help someone visualize how to do this yeah, or how to use this to influence then how they market. One thing I loved about, and I, I added the quotes here on my page, so that's what I'm reading, that said, they're bringing about bringing the scientific method to your strategy, not just tactics. With influence maps, your hypoth- you form hypothesis about audience behavior, and then you design experiments to validate them. You learn and you improve. So with that, that framework, how do you implement that? And how would you s- use that framework to then to grow SparkToro? I'm thinking about this like, okay, I don't think a lot of people know about the problem that they have with audience research, market research, understanding their audience better. And I think understanding your audience is very different from understanding your customers because they're not always the same people. There's there's overlap, certainly. And of course, you want to turn your audience into customers, but there's a portion of your audience that might never actually become customers, but they're super important. So those would be the people like influencers, maybe, or uh, reporters, investors, all really important people that might not actually convert, but you still need them. So Mm. you still want to position your problem in front of them. The way I would think about it is there's still a lot of opportunity for SparkToro to educate people about the problem. So for us, this comes in the form of creating content that we believe our audience benefits from because it's related to the problem at hand. The overall philosophy, right, is people should better understand their audience but it's really hard to do. Why is it hard to do? Because interviewing people, right? Interviewing, like even doing focus groups. Well, one, focus groups are super expensive. It costs money to put that together. takes weeks to get through the research. 
Not every team has the time and budget for that. But then there's also the, the issue of there's a discrepancy between what people say they do and what they actually do. Morning Brew comes to mind again, right? Where Morning Brew, when they first started, they asked students where they got their news. They said, oh, Wall Street Journal. But did they actually read the Wall Street Journal? Yeah. Did they just say that because they know they should read it and maybe they see headlines sometimes? Now, the good thing for Morning Brew is they became the solution to that, the solution to like, okay, maybe you don't want to read the Wall Street Journal, read us instead. And it obviously worked out. My point there just being like, you might not get the accurate data or the accurate answers when you ask people how they're solving existing problems. So what you can do with SparkToro is you can run the searches that give you the clues and some answers to what people are actually doing. So like, are college students actually reading Wall Street Journal today? Probably not, but if you do some searches in SparkToro for like students or college, university, you might find that something like a morning brew or maybe it's even like Yahoo News that comes up and, and that's what people are actually reading. And then as far as the brand awareness stuff goes, this is exactly where SparkToro comes in. It's where, when, and how your potential customers are first exposed to products and services in this space. So this is like influences, right? Yeah. And we say influence, not influencer. Only in the sense that when you think of an influencer, you think of a person who has a huge following. And that is that is influential. But there are other sources of influence that are different or smaller. It could be a company's podcast that's super influential. It could be a company's YouTube channel. Those are sources of influence. So those are the channels or programs that you want to be on or influence in some way so that you can grow awareness of your brand. In this case, even your blog, right? Like SparkToro's blog. Exactly. That's a hope that we have too, that, that our blog is a source of influence, right? And that that's like the SparkToro blog. And like, yeah. that could be an example of something that maybe if you asked a marketer what they read, maybe they wouldn't think of us first, but maybe they actually do read us. They just kind of didn't think to name it at first. And then moving down to like further education solution seeking, what are the last kind of steps there? Yeah. So like what further education, what potential customers pay attention to as they deepen the knowledge of your sector. So this is where like the really niche stuff comes into play. And this is where like the really niche communities are, maybe the niche uh, newsletters are, the things that um, people who are deep in the industry really pay attention to. And this is, I think, where Foundation Inc., the content marketing agency, where they had they had such great yeah. success, right? Like they they spent like up to fifty thousand dollars on sponsoring these super niche newsletters and podcasts, and the result they got was they were seeing, I think, like fifty percent more qualified leads, yeah, than if they did it through Facebook advertising. So, Facebook advertising, I think, it's just a whole different beast, right? Like, for some industries or companies, it's necessary for them to to be there. But you don't always have to be there to find the people who are super deep in that industry or that niche. And then lastly, we have the solution seeking. So this is where and how your potential customers make their purchase decision. So the examples that we have are like trusted publisher, review websites, but it doesn't always have to be there, right? Because if you think about like where are customers making their purchase decision, it could still be a newsletter, it could still be a podcast. It could still be a guest post. But from there, I think it's the messaging that changes, right? The messaging there becomes, here is what my company does. Here's yeah. how we solve this pain point. 
this becomes like, you know, for using the SparkToro example, it's less of the blog content of permissionless co-marketing and influence maps. And it's more, here's how to use SparkToro in your cold outreach program. And like, here's how to find hidden gems. Yeah, like here's a, here's how fa- foundation use SparkToro to get to totally. qualified leads, right? Like something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, it's like the case studies. It's like the help desk articles. And I'll call it another brand. Like Zapier does this really, really well. Like their blog is a top of funnel channel where people are looking for like productivity advice. But then whenever it makes sense, they weave in like, hey, use this Zap to do that thing. And then you can click on it and set it up yourself super easily. So I think Zapier is probably the probably the best example of someone who's doing really solid solution seeking content. Well, that is everything on my end. I appreciate you so much for coming on here, dropping bombs, dropping gems, the hidden gems, I guess we could call it. <laughs> so it's so it's on brand. So where can anybody reach you? Dro- please drop your course as well. So you can find me on Twitter at Amanda Nat. And then my personal website is amandanat.com where you can also s- subscribe to my newsletter. And then I also have a content marketing course. It's Content Marketing 201. It's beyond the fundamentals of SEO and more about how you can use content to power the other parts of your marketing. The first cohort is underway, but cohort two should open up at the end of May. So keep an eye out. uh, I'm hosting it on Maven. So check it out on maven.com. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. This has been awesome. I am definitely going to be writing a case study about all of this. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me, Alex. This is so course. much fun. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to 30 Minutes of Growth. If you want to hear more all-action growth insights, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast so you can hear our next episode first.